0: To the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. The Colorado
1: Avalanche have won the Stanley Cup. Raymond Moore a dream, has come across. Featured ahead McKinnon racing and shoots and scores,
2: Nathan <laughs> McKinnon. Refinition right scores. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulet. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teletabs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Belay in a few minutes, and today we have a very, very special episode as we bring you the biggest interview that we have ever had on this show, and by a pretty large margin, I would say, as we are joined by one of the greatest avalanche defensemen in the team's history, John Michael Lyles. He was kind enough to take some time out of his day to join us for this episode to talk about his early career, the wine cave, which we got a big kick out of, and just this avalanche team this season, how they're looking so far, what they need to do to ultimately bring home the Stanley Cup, and I think one of our favorite conversations was talking about Sam Girard, Bo Byram, and Kale McCarr, and just how special this decor can be, because If there's anyone in the world who knows anything about being a really good, smaller defenseman in the NHL it is John Michael Lyles. So thank you once again to John Michael Lyles for joining us for this episode, and we hope you all enjoy. All right. Welcome, everyone. We are joined by, without a doubt, the biggest guest that we have ever had on this show, one of the best defensemen in Avalanche history, John Michael Lyles. John, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. How's everything going?
1: Oh, that's great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that uh, introduction. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no problem. It's nothing but the truth, my friend. But first question we have and one that we've got to ask is, how did the wine cave get started? It's become <laughs> such a thing on the postgame shows and everything. How did the wine cave get started for you, man?
1: Uh, you know what? Actually, the wine cave has has um, grown beyond what I ever thought it would have. Um, it got started during the pandemic. I was, uh, I, I remember the season being shut down there in early March of 2020. And, um, you know, we weren't sure when everything was going to start back up. It started back up in the summer and guys, uh, we had a limit on the number of guys that could be in studio. I was still, I live up in Vale and driving up and down the mountain. And, Um, we, uh, we had a limit on the number of guys in studio. So the producer, Mike Riggs said, Hey, do you want to broadcast from home? And I had been doing a few things here and there with the uh, sports social that they were running uh, a few hours during the days. And, uh, and when I was doing that, I was like, well, we're stuck at home and, you know, not going anywhere. And I was like, you know what we are I was like, do you care if I have a glass of wine while we do the sports social? And they just started, you know, they're laughing. They're like, no, no, absolutely. So my kind of title on that was wine connoisseur. Uh, which is a little misleading, but I enjoy wine. I don't know if I'm a connoisseur, but, uh, and so then when we started broadcasting again, um, I I was doing it from home and I said, you know, Hey, do you care if I, if I drink while we're doing it? And they're like, no, absolutely not. We'll uh, we'll, we'll come up with something. So they started calling it the wine cave and I was actually just doing it from my office at the time. And uh, I, I said, you know what, I'm going to try and do it from, from my, actually my wine room see if the internet works well enough to do it. And it worked well enough to do it. And all of a sudden, you know, a a monster was born. Um, (laughs) And I I get stopped all the time. You know, my wife and I were in Cherry Creek a a month or so ago, and we were eating dinner, um, you know, outside patio. And we had like three people stop. And they're like, Oh, we love the wine cave. I mean, it's just morphed into this thing that um, you know, I think, I think it humanizes a little bit. And obviously when you have Kiefer and Riker who are so flexible and, and, uh, and, and so good at what they do and, you know, we just have a lot of fun with it. And, um, you know, the avs win. I'm pouring bourbon as the, you know, as, as the, as my drink of choice for wins and, you know, it can get, get a little, a little rowdy sometimes.
0: Oh, it definitely can get rowdy for sure. I was watching it. The the whole short incidents that happened last, last game can't beat that. That that's just oh. pure comedy. Oh.
1: Oh, goodness. I've watched that clip. I watched it uh, probably a 100 times yesterday. And then I watched it this morning again. And I was drinking coffee and I spit my coffee. I, it, <laughs> it is so funny. I was sitting there and I wasn't on air, but they were my camera was on. And they were recording still. And when he said that I honestly woke up my whole house laughing so hard. It was oh my gosh! I mean, those guys like it's just it's just never ending, and I love it. It's it's so much fun to be a part of this group.
0: Yeah, it, it's so much fun, and I, I think as a fan, I can tell you guys, it, it's one of the better post game shows and pre game shows that we have. I may be a little biased, but that's uh, that's just my opinion. But what do you oh, think makes I? it? <laughs> <work>? <laughs> what do you think makes it work so well? Because you, Riker, and Kiefer just have created such a great chemistry, and well, it's think- just so much fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I, I think everybody at Altitude does a fantastic job. And, you know, it's unfortunate that, um, you know, it's not on Comcast right now and and not everybody that wants to see it can see it. Um, but, I mean, when you look at Peter McNabb and, and Moj and and uh, um, Connor and, and everybody that's involved, not just Kiefer and, and Vic and Riker, um, I think that everybody just does such a great job in, in their role. Um, but at the same time, I mean, with Kiefer and Riker, you know, those guys are – self-deprecating and, and, uh, you know, they're not afraid to, to have fun because if you're not having fun on, on the show, I mean, nobody's going to have fun watching it. Right. And so we definitely have fun. Uh, I just look at, you know, Kyle Keith and how good he is at what he does. I mean, I came in as a, you know, a green, um, you know, broadcasting guy when I retired and, and he makes it so easy on, on those that he's working with, whether it's Riker, whether it's myself or, um, you know, there's some other guys that, you know, John Mitchell and, um, I just think those guys uh, there's just such a good rapport between the two of them. And when I slide in occasionally it, you know, it, it just works. And like I said, I mean, I, we're all having fun. We want to make it fun. I'm not going to, you know, yeah, we'll throw some stats at you, but I'm not just going to just regurgitate stats in your face for, for an hour and neither is Kiefer and neither is Riker. I mean, guys want to have fun and, and, uh, and, that's what we want. We want the, the audience to have fun watching us, um, you know, talk about the abs.
0: I love it. It is it, without a doubt. It, it makes watching the game so much more fun. It makes it, it makes it tough to leave during intermission because you, you don't want to miss anything. <laughs> so I, I, I just gotta say, keep it up. It's been fantastic. I've loved watching you guys. Thanks. Thanks.
2: Yeah, the show is just absolutely phenomenal before and after every game. It just adds a whole human level to to watching yeah. this team that I feel like a lot of teams around the league just don't have. But Uh, Gang to to your playing career with the Avalanche, like Andrew do, you're one of, frankly, one of the best defensemen this team has ever had. You played seven seasons with the Avalanche. You are second all-time in defenseman points. What was one of your favorite memories over the last seven years of playing with the Avalanche?
1: Well, I I mean, some of my favorite memories are the guys that I got to play with. I mean, um, I I was very fortunate to come in as a rookie in in 03-04, and um, you know, I roomed with Joe Sackick on the road. He's still one of my really good friends. Uh, you know, Peter Forsberg was on that team. Adam foot, Rob Blake was my D partner. I mean, there's just so much to love about that. I lived with Dan high for, for my first three years in the league, which, um, uh, is good and bad. I say, Danny added five years to my career and took 10 years off my life. Um, you know, it, it was, uh, there was just so much to love about my time in Colorado. I met my wife in Denver. Um, you know, there's a reason why we're back in Colorado. We wanted to raise our kids here and, and and we love it. And I just always had a special connection with abs fans. Um, love, love the mountains. You know, we live in the mountains now there's, you know, I just, um, there was so much to love. And, uh, I just, the, the tremendous players I got to play with Paul Staz and he's still one of my best friends to this day. Uh, I just, Man, looking back, it's tough to pick one memory. Um, you know, I got to play in the World Cup as a member of the abs. I got to play in the Olympics as a member of the abs. There's there's so much, you know, playoffs and um, different things. It, it, I just, like I said, it's tough to pick just one thing. And I just think the, the entire, you know, it was eight years. We had a full year lockout my second year. Um, you know, my, my eight years in Denver um, was just, you know, it was, it was arguably the highlight of my career. Um, I played in some great places, but, you know, Colorado will always be home to me.
0: I, I was doing, when I was doing my research last night, I was looking at that 03,04 team you came in in was a who's who of names. I mean, you got Paul Correa, Temu Solani on that team too. Like how tough was that coming in as a rookie um, and joining a team like that?
1: Yeah, you know, it was, I mean, it was tough, but it was also not tough at the same time. Um, you know, we just, uh, coming in as a rookie, I mean, there wasn't a ton of expectations for me Personally, um, you know, my whole goal coming in was I'm going to try and make this team. And if I do great, and if I don't, I want to make them think twice about sending me down. Um, you know, the, the team was pretty much set. DJ Smith was in, was the sixth, sixth defenseman. And he actually, um, he got an eye injury in camp, which kind of opened up a spot for me, which allowed me to make the team. Otherwise I was probably going to be in Hershey. Um, but Also, because there were so many veterans on that team, they could say, "Okay, we've got this, you know, youngish defenseman coming from college. You know, I I did play four years in college, so I was, you know, I was 22 coming in. Um, It gave me an opportunity. Tony Granato, Pierre Lacroix, those guys, like I I could never, you know, thank them enough for the opportunity I got. But then also playing in those games, I mean, you had so many veterans and so many tremendous players, you know if you were in trouble, you could give it to Forsberg and not worry about it or give it to Sackick and not worry about it or give it to Blakey and not worry about it. You knew like those guys were going to, you know, pick up what maybe you didn't have, especially early in that season. Um, you know, that's the one, like when you look back on your career, like, man, that, that was, that was the time that we, we had that shot. We really had that shot. Um, you know, San Jose, when we lost in that second round, they played really well. And, Um, you know, we had injury. I mean, Paul Correa was injured on and off for a good portion of that year. That was what Pete, I mean, I think Pete practiced three or four times that year. I mean, his leg was, was all messed up and, you know, groin. And um, I mean, the amount of of just abuse that that guy took over a a relatively short career for how good of a player he was. Um, I mean, you know, I, I, I saw him at, um, at Pierre's uh, uh, banner hanging, uh, you know, a month or so ago. And uh, I mean, he looks great, but he also, you know, he doesn't skate anymore. And I mean, he's just uh, it's it's tough when you look back on on what he endured to to play that to play the game.
0: Yeah, I always wonder about Forsberg if he would have played in like today's NHL, just how dominant huh. he would be because he was, it, he, was he, he was he was the whole package. He was the whole package.
1: He was. And, and, and you know what, it's a different game too. I mean, now you look at it and every guy on the ice can skate like the wind. I mean, when I came in, that was my strength. I was a skating defenseman. There weren't a whole lot of smallish defensemen. I mean, Brian Rafalski, um, you know, Don Sweeney, you know, just, uh, just thinking off the top of my head there were only a few in the game. And so for me, like I could kind of separate myself with my skating and by my, by the end of my career in Boston, I mean, everybody could skate. And, and I knew it was time. It was, <laughs> it was okay. And now everybody's skating, like, even with me. And it used to be I could pull away from guys whenever I wanted. So, yeah, it was uh, – um, I mean, that's that's the league nowadays. I mean, everybody can skate. But Pete could do stuff with a puck. I mean, passing it through three, four guys skates right on your tape, you don't even expect it half the time.
0: Yeah, he, he was a ridiculous player to watch. I was a kid when I was watching him, and I still was just in amazement. So, yeah, I yeah. – I, I, I just can't say enough good things about that that team you joined. It's just crazy to think coming in as a rookie and joining a team that skilled is yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and
2: that early avalanche team has to go down as one of the best all time. And one of my biggest regrets as a hockey fan is that I was too young to really remember a team that good, especially the likes of Peter Forsberg and Joe Sakic in their prime. But you were starting to talk mm-hmm. about how, the league today everyone can skate and you look at the the avalanches defensive core now how young they are how well they can move kind of wanted to move this conversation towards how the avalanche have performed early in the season so far what have you made of the avalanches start to this season so far starting cold and now starting to, to pick it up a little bit here even with their injuries with three straight wins
0: uh well i mean the
1: three straight three, three, three straight wins is nice um You know, they've, they've, I think they're getting back to their identity a little bit. It's tough because you do have a guy like Nathan McKinnon and a line like the McKinnon, Ranton, and Landis line. And, you know, you, it could, your tendency can be to just let them do what they have to do and, and you're going to win the game. And everybody else just kind of sits there and watches and plays a, 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 you know, Smart conservative game, and and realistically, you still need everybody on the same page and everybody, um, you know, everybody doing whatever they can to not only prevent goals, but score goals. And um, a lot of times, when McKinnon, Ranton, and Landis Gog are scoring goals, you're like, oh, we're good. It's fine. Um, no issues. Well, you know, I think, uh, sorry, my got something clicking up here. Um, oh, no, you good. Right. Don't worry. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to turn off emails right now. Um, no. I mean, you know, they, I don't think they started quite as strong as they would have liked, um, you know, coming out of the gates the way they did. But at the same time, I mean, you have a new goaltender. It's a completely new system, arguably night and day versus what he played in in Arizona. When you're, you know, you're compressed in the defensive zone in Arizona and you're giving up a ton of shots, but a lot of them are from the outside. Whereas in Colorado, it's a completely different system. Um, you know, you're not giving up as many shots. You can go five, six, seven, eight minutes at a time without seeing a shot. It takes a little while. And now I think you're seeing Darcy Kemper and who he is as a goaltender. I mean, I said when they traded for him that he was going to be a really good addition and he has been. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't maybe the start he was quite looking for, but I think that, um, you know, Avs fans are going to be um really, really happy with him down the stretch. Cause I think he's a fantastic goaltender. And now that he understands how the defense play, he understands the um, you know, the tendencies of the defenseman in front of him, as well as the system in front of him, you can see that he's reading the play a lot more comfortably. Um, the McKinnon injury is uh, it's tough because he's one of the top players in the world. And you hate to see that you always want him on the ice, but I'd rather have it now than in February or March. Um, and so Hopefully this is something that he can manage. He can, uh, you know, get under control. And then it's not something that nags at him throughout the rest of the season, because if you add him into a team that's really kind of found their blueprint in the last three, five games where they're managing the puck a lot better. Yeah. Vancouver was a little bit of a blip in Vancouver in terms of it was all power play goals. Vancouver was hungry. They had lost four straight at that time. The media is all over them. They knew that their general manager just had a meeting with the owner, the coaches on the hot seat. I mean, that can, that can work a couple different ways in Vancouver. You know, they got, they got pushed on early in that game and they responded really well. And, and uh, you know, the abs were able to find a way to win. Kemper played really, really well. Um, and the power play answered and early on the power play struggled. So this is, you know, it's good to see, Caudry stepping in, they moved him up to the top line in the third period. It's good to see the power play stepping up when they did. You see Kel McCars rounding into form. I mean, that's, these are all things that I think, um, you know, play out really well as the season moves along. And hopefully you get McKinnon back. You'd love to see Bo Byram, man. You hope that he's going to be okay. I mean, that's, yeah, the concussion stuff, I dealt with it over my career. It is no fun, especially at a young age. And uh, I mean, the way he was playing, Man, it's um, it's impressive when you look at him, Sam Girard, Kale McCarr, Devon Taves. I mean, that's a. I mean, Eric Johnson back healthy. That's a. That's a scary, scary decor if everybody's healthy and playing.
0: It is super scary, and it, it it's probably the deepest part of the Avs lineup. Uh, a player you just talked about, I that I'm interested to get your thoughts on. Um, what do you think about the polar polarization surrounding Samuel Girard? Because he is without a doubt, a great defenseman, but he always seems to be thrown to the wolves uh, for Avs fans. What are your thoughts on Sam Girard?
1: Well, listen, I I think people really focused on the Vegas series last year, um, you know, and, and listen, that was, that was a whole team effort, losing four straight. That's, you know, not to point fingers at anybody that, that, that took everybody to do. And it was super disappointing. And there's expectations that come with this team these past few years coming into this year as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a polarizing figure, but when he's playing well, he's skating. I mean, I, I always look at it when I was playing well, I was skating. When I wasn't playing well, my skating took a backseat. And so for him, that's I think that's become a focus, especially in the last you know 10 days or so. And, and it's starting to pay off. The other thing too is is you get Devon Taves back, which really kind of um, anchors that defense. Taves and McCarr, and then you have Gerard and Johnson. And you know, depending where Byram slots in, I mean, he can slot in a lot of different ways. My guess is they're going to try and get him more minutes, you know, when he's healthy. Uh, I just think that you know Sam Gerard playing on the top pair with McCarr wasn't necessarily a great fit for him, and uh, you know, and it's nothing against Sam Gerard. It's it's more just he has a a role within that team. And, and sometimes if you're, if you're pushed into another role and you go square peg round hole, it's not always going to work out. And, and people, yeah, people can, can see that. Um, Also, if he, you know, when he's playing that top pair of minutes, it's more minutes, which means he's skating more, which means that, you know, maybe that energy or that jump isn't quite there when, when you're, when you're slotted in. Uh, you know, versus a second pairing minutes and you, you're you playing 20 minutes or 21 minutes versus 26 minutes, right? Um, I think there's a lot of, a lot of reasons why, uh, you know, Sam Girard. I think uh, people kind of have that polarization t- towards him, but he's a tremendous defenseman. I mean, yeah, he's, listen, he's never going to be the biggest defenseman. I was never the biggest defenseman. You can't change that. I was waiting for a growth spurt from 18 years old to I'm still waiting for it. I'm 5'10". It's probably not going to change at this point. Sam Gerard is who he is. He's, he's a puck moving defenseman. Um, you know, he's a guy that can create offense and you know what, I mean, there are times where he's probably gonna, you know, maybe be out muscled, but he's learning the game as well. And, and, uh, you know, he, uh, he's figuring out how to kind of use his body to his, you know, to his strengths when you're playing against those bigger guys And Vegas is a bigger team. Um, so I don't know. I just, I, I think that, yes, there's some polarization, regarding him but he's still a tremendous defenseman and i guarantee you there's 31 other teams that would be lying lining up to trade for him if he came on the market and uh, i don't think that's necessarily the case
2: yeah
0: yeah absolutely. The, the, we've talked about that on the show and it's just it's hilarious that people point out sam gerard when he is 31 other teams would take sam gerard in a blink of an eye so and, and, and I just, when he
1: plays with eric johnson it makes a lot of sense because EJ can play any game you want to play. You want to play a physical game. EJ can play a physical game. You want to skate. EJ can skate. You know, he can make passes, but he can also chip the puck out. I think that having Eric Johnson next to him is, is a, it's almost a little bit of a security blanket because then it's, you know, his size isn't as much of a factor when you have Eric Johnson playing next to him, his size comes into play more. I think when you have, you know, Kale McCarr next to him because both of those guys want to go, and one of them ultimately needs to be kind of, you know, watching the back end. And if it's Sam Girard, then, you know, his strengths aren't coming into play.
2: Exactly. Right. Exactly. And you brought up a great point with the Vegas series and how that whole thing was a team effort. And one of the big things about that Vegas series is that there was no Eric Johnson as a safety blanket for yeah. Sam Girard. And so to see, sam gerard brought up in these trade rumors whether it was for jack eichel i was thankful to see that they were finally shot down by pierre lebrun the yeah. other day because and he, lebrun brought up a great point sam gerard's on one of the best contracts in the nhl at five million dollars for the next six years especially in a market that has really leaned yeah. heavily on paying for defensemen over the last few months mm-hmm. you're not going to get that kind of value from anyone else in the nhl and so to, to put to have that guy in trade rumors just baffled me.
1: And listen, t- he may have, in fact, been in the Eichel trade if, if Joe was going hard at him. But guess what? You have to give to get, right? Exactly. So, yes, it, maybe they're not shopping him. But if you're going after a Jack Eichel or somebody like that, you're going to have to give up some guys. And Sam Girard may have been a part of that. It's nothing against Sam Girard. It means that people want you is what it means, right? It, it doesn't mean that Joe's trying to get rid of Sam Gerard It means that he's trying to get Jack Eichel and you're going to have to give up, uh, you know, it's you're going to have to have a little pain to, to kind of get that, uh, you know, to get that big fish. And it, it may have been Sam Gerard, It may have been Alex Newhook. I'm just throwing out names here. I don't know what, you know, the specifics were, uh, but I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys that could have been a part of that. You look what Vegas gave up, right? I mean, it wasn't going to be a, a fourth-line guy and a, and a fourth-round pick or a third-round pick for Jack Eichel. It was going to be some big names. And, and uh, I mean, yeah, maybe he was getting thrown around in the Jack Eichel stuff, but it, but LeBron shooting down the fact that they're shopping Sam Gerrard, I think it makes a lot more sense that he would have been a part of a Jack Eichel trade versus them shopping.
2: Right, exactly. And when it comes to, to Sam Gerard, the thing that makes him so special is that he's really the – almost the third most important player on this avalanche defense. And now, especially with the addition of Bowen Byram, it's given us Mm -hmm. this super deep defensive core. And I wanted to ask you about just how special Kale McCarr and Bowen Byram can be, especially since these guys are still (laughs) super young. McCarr already has a calder under his belt, a runner up to the Norris, and we don't even know what kind of ceiling Bo Byram has. So I just wanted to ask you, how special do you think these two can be, especially together, like we've seen at some points this season?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and this is, I mean, this is a big comparison, but uh, I look at like a Niedermeyer-Pronger combo in Anaheim, guys that can just, you know, skate forever, play 27, 28, 30 minutes and not seem like they're ever tired. I mean, when I look at Kale McCarr, I mean, there's just so much that he does well, uh, but I I still go back to his skating, his edge work, his ability to, um, pull away from guys without looking like he's trying very hard. It's more how he's able to, to utilize his edges and just, he comes out of breaks and turns, um, better than anybody in the league. I mean, barring, you know, maybe McDavid, maybe McKinnon, um, I just, I just see that, uh, you know, you look at him and a guy's right on him in the corner in the defensive zone and he's got the puck and he can make that turn and be five feet away from him in two strides. And there's just not many guys in the league like that. Add in his passing, his shot, uh, he doesn't use his slap shot all that often, but we saw it in Vancouver. I mean, it's, it's heavy when it needs to be, his wrist shot is so good. He doesn't need to use his slap shot a lot. And with that power play, um, you know, a lot of that goes through McKinnon. And so he's kind of utilizing his wrist shot more when it comes from that other side, instead of his one-timer side. Uh, I mean, just the vision, the ability to jump up in the play, he beats guys back, even when he jumps up in the play. Uh, and then you add in, you know, you factor in Bowen Byram at a young age, but still, I mean, he was a man amongst boys in the WHL. Um uh, just a great skater, um, strong, not afraid to mix it up. Yeah, maybe he's not a fighter, but he doesn't back down. And, and you love to see that, especially from a young player. He's he's not afraid to be physical. Same with McCar. McCar's is an underrated hitter. He doesn't hit all the time. And so people don't expect it. But when he hits, most of the time he wins. And uh, I mean, that's a lot like Nathan McKinnon too, where Nathan McKinnon doesn't necessarily throw a, a ton of hits. But when he does, a lot of times guys are tumbling. So, I mean, there's just, I think there's a lot to like with those two. And you mix in a Devon Taves who, um, I mean, you trade a second round pick for him and you have a guy that's playing consistently 26 minutes and led the, you know, the, the defense and goals last year. And there's just, there's a lot to like about the makeup of the abs defense at this point in time. And I think it's only going to get better in the next two to three years. I mean, the window is now when you have Nathan McKinnon at the top of his game with the contract that he's on uh, you have Mikhail McCarr at the top of his game. I mean, you just, there's, there's, there's a time to like, and um, you know, this year would be the year that I I would see Joe going out and making a, a splash for somebody big, whether it's mid season or or trade deadline. Cause I think that window um, you have to take advantage when you have these windows.
0: Yeah. I, you're kind of leaned into my next question. I was going to ask, what do you think this team needs to do to finally get over the hump? Cause we've talked about it for three years now. Um, This team's loaded. I think they've had their, they've taken their playoff lumps, uh, mm-hmm. which is what all good teams have to do. What do you think they need to do to finally get over the hump this year and hoist the cup in June?
1: So I, I, I've i said, I talked about this actually quite a bit during the summer. Um, I looked at the Avs last year as Tampa about four years ago when they got swept by Columbus. Um, super skilled, President's Trophy, arguably the, the best team in the league, but you get to playoffs and it's a different game. And when they, you know, they go out and they get Blake Coleman, Barkley Goudreau, um, they, they had that third line that could muck it up and grid it up. Pat Maroon, um, guys like that. I mean, I could see the abs trying to make a push for a few more of those grittier guys, maybe some size scoring, you know, scoring winger with size, obviously everybody in the league wants to add that. Um, but you know, the abs are, um, I think right up there with any team in the league at, at having that chance. And so, um, you know, that would be what I would, I would see for the abs going forward. If they can add that piece, you still want scoring depth. Um, but at the same time, like playoffs, you need those guys that, that, um, that can shut down the other team's top lines can frustrate the other team's top top lines can, you know, can play physical and, uh, and, you know, push back when you're in a building like Vegas and uh, not to say there's got, you know, guys on this team um, that can't do that, but, you don't want Gabe Landeskog fighting all your battles, right? He's too valuable as a, as a power forward, scoring forward, um, winger with Nathan McKinnon. He's too valuable in that sense. Like, um, you know, I, I look at it like, you know, if, if Landy and Nate McKinnon are the ones dropping the gloves, um, that, that's, that's, that's not benefiting your team. Right. And the Az aren't going to be a team that fights a whole lot, but, uh, I, I just love to see a little bit more, you know, grittiness going forward, um, you know, for the playoffs, for the ads.
2: Yeah, I would completely agree. It's, it's funny that you made the the Tampa Bay comparison against Columbus, because in the past I've made the the Washington Capitals comparison with them, because uh, mm-hmm. as, as people who listen to the show know, I'm also a Caps fan on the side. So I've, I've lived through the the history of the second round defeats. And this last one yeah. to Vegas, reminded me a little bit of the Capitals second loss to the Penguins in 2017 mm-hmm. after they won the President's Trophy, all the expectation on them. We all yeah. knew lead for both cases for both the abs and the Caps leading into that second round series that that was the one team that you knew you were yeah. going to play if you had to get yeah. to the Stanley Cup and you fell short. And so yeah. I felt like there was a little bit of a hangover from that early this season same way there was mm-hmm. for the Capitals and you have to work through some of that hardship, injuries, and come together as a team and really build yourselves up in the regular season and set yourself up in the playoffs because they're kind of following the same schedule. The Caps struggled for the first month and a half. The Abs struggled a bit for the first month and a half. This was the point where the Caps started to turn around. Now I can start to see the Abs mm-hmm. are starting to do the same thing as well. I really do believe in this team. And I completely agree with you. We think we're just mm-hmm. need one or two more guys, maybe in that bottom six or maybe one more in the top six that can yeah. add that dimension for the playoffs. Cause mentally we've learned our lessons. We know what we need to do at this point. So I completely agree.
1: Yeah. You have to learn how to win in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, just cause you get through the first round, doesn't mean that you're automatically going to get through the second round and it gets tougher and tougher. And, um, I mean, they they've, they've taken their lumps over the last few years and everybody's like, Oh, they've lost in the second round, you know, three straight years. Well, you know, when you look at how they've lost in the second round, Thank you, three Thank years you. ago, shouldn't have been a loss. Um, and, and so, you know, you, it's, it's, it's one of those things where they weren't even expected to be in the second round three years ago. So saying that is not really, I, I don't think that's a valid point last year. Yes. But also you got to learn. They learned from it. I mean, there's high expectations on this team, and when there's high expectations, and you have a window that you can win, then it wouldn't shock me if there's some some moves made here down the stretch. Salary cap has, you know, that that makes it a lot tougher. But um, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully Joe does what Joe does, and you know, I think a lot of people have faith in him. So yeah, yeah if, there, awesome. if there's
2: one general manager in the league that we can trust to to make the right moves and to make the big moves, it's absolutely Joe Sackett. But Christian, go ahead.
0: Awesome. Well, John, I know we're coming up on time here. I just had a, I had one last question for you. Um, why Michigan State over Michigan, man? I'm 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 a Michigan I'm a Michigan guy. Um, so why Michigan State over Michigan?
1: Ah, uh, let's see. Well, um, so I was in Ann Arbor at the U.S. program. Um, I'm from Indiana. It actually came down to Michigan State and Notre Dame. Um, Dave Poole was at Notre Dame. I liked Notre Dame a lot. Little too close to home. Um, so Michigan state was, ended up being my choice. I think Michigan actually stopped recruiting me at one point, which I'm sure they regretted for the next four years. Yep, um, uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, actually they probably regretted not, not recruiting Ryan Miller, um, <laughs> versus me, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, you know what, honestly, it was, um, I, I, had some buddies at Michigan state that I had played with at the program and, uh, really liked the campus. Michigan state was number one in the nation the year before I, um, went there. And so it was it was tough to turn down. Ron Mason was the coach. Um, it, it was just a great program for me. It was, you know, four years of, of, uh, great hockey, great people. And, um, you know, somehow I ended up ma- managing to get out of there with a finance degree. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, I don't know. It spoke to me and uh, still have a lot of, of really, really good friends from my days there.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, I just want you to know as a Michigan guy, I'm, I'm cheering for Ohio state this weekend. Which I know in <laughs> my life, so what? come on, I, I know, man, I come know, on. I know, I know. I'm yeah. sorry, you guys, you guys beat uh, our brains in this year, so I'll give you that. It's,
1: it, I mean, <laughs> hey, the Michigan State football. I mean, I, I, I don't say it often, but they, they, they seem to have found a, a pretty decent coach, and um, you know, got, got a little thing going. It'll be interesting to see what, what happens here with Harbaugh going forward. I mean, the khakis are, oof, I don't know.
0: Yeah, we'll see, we'll see.
1: But,
2: <laughs> man, awesome, Griffin. Yeah, I was. I know. I know Christian was was itching for that one. He was. He's been talking. He's been talking about it <laughs> for days. Like, like I, got, I, I gotta locked. ask. I you had that one locked. Too. You, you got in me. Yeah. That was, that was me. his number one yeah. thing coming <laughs> in today. But John, we can't thank you enough for for coming on the show with us today, taking the time out for us. We know you're a busy guy and you've got to get going. But thank you so much for for coming on with us today. And I'm real excited for the rest of the season. I can't wait to see you on the the pre and post game show for the ABS yeah. all year.
1: Yeah, thanks guys. I appreciate you having me. And yeah, we'll hopefully be rocking the wine cave to late into uh late into June.
2: Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for coming on and hopefully we can see you again soon. All right. Take care, guys. Hey everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. The NHL season is underway and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL team and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. It does not matter the goal, whether it's a one-time shot or a deflection in front. However any team lights the lamp, you win. If DraftKings Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, don't worry. DraftKings will not leave you empty-handed because everybody can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. And that's not all because DraftKings is also giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with just their first deposit. That's right. All you've got to do is simply just put some money in the account and you get a free shot at millions of dollars That's it. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, back to the episode. And that was the great John Michael Lyles, one of the best defensemen in Avalanche history and current studio analyst for Altitude Sports. That was just a ton of fun. And I know I speak for Christian as well, who had to run to work right after this interview so you guys are gonna have to just stick with me for the next few minutes but I can speak for him when I say that was a ton of fun thank you so much to John Michael Lyles for joining us for this episode that was a great conversation and I agreed with a lot of what he said especially at the very end about what this team needs to do to to get over the hump and I can't wait to see where the rest of this season leads but once again thank you so so much to John Michael Lyles for taking the time out of his day to join us and thank you so much for tuning in. As always, that's going to do it for us on this edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I have been Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bolle. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Youngs NHL. You could follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay, spelled B-O-L-L-E. You can follow the show at Teledavs It Is. I highly recommend that we've had some giveaways going over the last little bit. And if you are early to this episode, our giveaway for the Colorado Avalanche and Anaheim Ducks game next Wednesday, the giveaway is still going on on our Twitter. Just retweet the pinned post and follow the account, and you will be entered for a chance to win two tickets to the Avalanche and Ducks game next week. And we have plenty of those giveaways coming on the docket soon as well. So keep an eye out for that in the future. But as for us today, that is going to do it. I have been Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Belay. Thank you so much once again for tuning in. Whether it's your first episode or you've been here from the beginning, we appreciate you all the same. So once again, thank you for tuning in and we will catch you all next time. Enjoy the rest of your week.